The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to the Guys in Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. It is NFL Sunday, so we've been watching uh, some NFL games. It's about six. Rob, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, great this morning coming off of that UVA victory. You mm-hmm. know, like you said, NFL Sunday, not the greatest look for my Washington football team. But, you know, we're here and we're here to talk about college football and UVA specifically. And on that front, we are doing great. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking UVA football, we're talking our win yesterday over the Duke Blue Devils. UVA was victorious 38 to 20. Um, so that was a, I mean, a great win really. And we're going to talk all about it, but first I just want to like hear your thoughts before we get into the specific details. What, what did it feel like to be watching a UVA sport again? I mean, obviously amazing, man. I've been waiting for this. I think we all have for so long. Um, you know, the game itself, you know, it went kind of as we expected, you know, kind of a rough first half, at least first quarter. And we kind of settled in and Brennan Armstrong, especially in the fourth quarter. But um, yeah, I mean, it was super weird seeing Scott Stadium without fans there. And they didn't really pipe in crowd noise either. But I mean, anyway, anyhow, man, like I was just thrilled to be watching football again. Yeah, it felt really good. It felt nice to turn on the channel to ACC Network, get some of the good old classic ACC commentary and uh, some great camera work. I'm I'm being really <laughs> sarcastic there. The camera work was god-awful. I hope they fix that uh, because I think we're going to be on ACC Network a lot this season, especially with you know Big Ten coming back, SEC has started, as well as uh, it seems like the Pac-12 is going to start up at some point as well. So um less time less availability on espn for uh the virginia cavaliers but before we get into it we want to talk about our sponsor bet online football is finally back you might not be at games this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online you can get on on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on win division and championship futures now head to betonline.ag today and take full advantage of all the great sign up bonuses bet online your online sports Sportsbook experts. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm gonna punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Up. Let's just jump straight into it. Let's start off with 
some good things. There's a lot of great things that happened yesterday. What, in your opinion, was one of the top things that the UVA team did, either like a person or a coach or a player? Who or what impressed you about this UVA team yesterday? Yeah, man, you know, it's it's hard to choose only one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big thing is the turnovers. You know, Virginia has done a terrific job, you know, during the Mendenhall years of turning over Duke quarterbacks. And yesterday, you know, Chase Bryce threw several interceptions, uh, also a couple fumble recoveries there towards the end. Turnovers matter. And, you know, I think the defense played really, really well. Otherwise, you know, I was really happy with the front seven the way they played, especially the defensive line. Um, You saw kind of the potential there for Nick Jackson as well. Uh, But, you know, the defense was pretty solid at the first half of last year. And where it kind of got away was down the end with injuries. But if you think back to that 2018 year, you know, not only was that defense pretty solid, but they forced a lot of turnovers, which was something that Virginia didn't quite do as well last uh, year, kind of with the exception of that Duke game. So you hope this is to start uh you know another kind of turnover happy defense because we saw you know the offense didn't look amazing yesterday but virginia kind of felt in control most of the way mainly due to those turnovers yeah and you think especially back to like the end of the third quarter start of the fourth quarter when duke had a couple drives in a row ending with turnovers ending with interceptions especially you know we had five interceptions as a team two fumble recoveries it was a really great um, uh, way for the defense to help out and kind of uh, pump some life into an offense that was struggling, especially in the first and the third quarters. You know, the we didn't score in the first or third quarters. We only scored in the second and fourth. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But, you know, there's at times where the offense seemed to really stall in this game. And I think the defense kind of pumped some life back into them, getting big-time turnovers, uh, not allowing, you know, that goal line stand on the very first drive to prevent a touchdown after the fumble on the kickoff. I think this defense did a lot of great things, and the turnovers especially gave our team a huge chance to win this game. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's easy to look at the secondary, you know, the safeties specifically for these turnovers. Um, You know, Joey Blunt had one. Uh, interception. Brendan Nelson had two. Like we get to see what it's like to have Brendan Nelson back. It's terrific. Um, you know, D'Angelo Amos had a pick as well. So I mean, it's easy to look at the secondary and be like, yeah, like these guys are great. But you know, it really started at all levels of the defense. And you know, you bring up that Mandy Alonzo play. That was such a big play. And you know, it almost <laughs> different situations in the game. But it really almost reminded me if you remember two years ago uh, against Louisville when Zane Zandier had a big goal line stop. You know, that's kind of what it reminded me of. You know, it felt like just a big play and a big confidence booster early for this Virginia team. And then, you know, the defensive line as a whole played really, really well. You know, Jawan Briggs is noticeably bigger. He got a sack. Uh, Richard Burney played well. Jameer Carter, a true freshman, was in there in the rotation. You know, all those guys played really well. And the linebackers were all over the field. Uh, You know, Noah Taylor had a sack and a half. I was really, really impressed with Nick Jackson. And, you know, they really threw off Chase Bryce. And the Duke offense, you know, not only were they throwing interceptions, but they just kind of looked all out of sorts in general. And so much of that is kind of that havoc mentality that this defense really forces on its opponents. Yeah, I like, I like you use havoc, you know, the VCU basketball 
kind of mantra. But I, I don't know if we're as scrappy as VCU. I think we're a little <laughs> bit more disciplined in that area. But I, I do I want to point out a section of the game where Virginia just took over and it goes it starts off with a Duke interception after a four play fifty eight yard drive where it seemed like Duke was actually doing something. They throw a pick on the uh, Virginia six. So Virginia goes 94 yards, scores a touchdown. Next drive, Duke, four, again, four plays, 20 yards, interception. UVA once again drives t- 49 yards for a touchdown. Next drive, three plays, negative nine yards for Duke, interception. Um, UVA punts on that drive, but then Duke fumbles on the very next drive, and then UVA scores a touchdown. So it got out of hand in the third. At the end of the third, and the start of the fourth quarter when Duke just could not hold on to the ball and UVA took huge advantage of that time. Yeah, you know, I think that was a really big confidence booster there for Brennan Armstrong as well. Because Brennan, you know, as we expected, I mean, it's first time starter. We can't ask the world of this guy to begin with. And, you know, he, he did some good things, uh, especially in the first half. And, you know, he really impressed me as a runner. You know, we knew he didn't have the top mm-hmm. end speed of Bryce Perkins, but he's shifty. He has more bursts than kind of what I remembered. So, you know, he did some good things, but definitely kind of the third quarter stalled out a little bit. And, you know, he had the interception at the end of the first half as mm-hmm. late in the second quarter. Uh, but that, that interception in the third quarter was, you know, <laughs> not the prettiest looking ball in the world. It was bad. It not <laughs> So... You know, having a defense to lean on like that, you know, which really, again, Virginia had in the first half of last year, but really did not have in the second half of last year. So having that defense to lean on, I think it's huge for Brennan Armstrong, just because, you know, you can play the field position game and, you know, you know, you don't have to put the team on your shoulders. You know, hopefully he feels that he has the ability to kind of take things as they come to him. And, uh, you know, as we get into hopefully into the second half of the season here things will start to slow down and it'll look a bit more natural for him. Yeah, you know, and he struggled a lot both in the, I think in the first quarter as a passer and in the third quarter as a passer. You know, that interception led to a Duke touchdown, puts them ahead 20-17 to 17 in the third quarter, and then we have to punt again on the next drive. It kind of felt like it was almost getting out of control, and I know you you especially were saying, I don't need this in my life. <laughs> the the stress of almost losing to Duke and it felt like but the defense once again took over I want to say that Brennan Armstrong did have some really good throws and this this goes into my you know what was impressive to me but his uh passes to the freshman Lavelle Davis were really pretty good pretty good balls especially considering uh Lavelle Davis is a freshman and he is six seven but uh, Brennan put uh, the two touchdown passes where he could get them, and uh, then he made some plays as well. Lavelle Davis made some plays. So, I mean, he was able to squeeze in some balls. He's got a cannon for sure. Like He was zinging that ball over the field. I feel like some of the players, um, there were some drops, I think, because they might, I mean, they've been practicing and stuff, but Bryce Perkins never had that kind of zip on a ball. Bryce Perkins uh, was accurate. He would, but he didn't. He wasn't able to throw uh, super fast balls like Brennan can, and so I think that Brennan was impressive in that he was pretty accurate for most of the day. He wasn't super accurate, but you know he was 
good when he needed to be, and he forgot the mistakes that he made and kind of learned from them. Yeah, you contrast the two really well. Um, Bryce Perkins was extremely accurate, but didn't quite have elite level arm talent. You know, Brennan Armstrong has really, really good arm talent. I think the accuracy will come, and <laughs> it's it's harder on us fans because we've actually heard Brennan Armstrong's name for a while now. He enrolled early at UVA. Uh, he was Bryce Perkins' backup each of the past two seasons. You know, we heard his name all off season this year. But at the end of the day, he's a sophomore starting his first game at quarterback. So, you know, I think we saw the arm talent. You know, you mentioned some of those throws to Lavelle Davis were really, really good throws. He also had a couple of really nice balls. You know, there was one kind of back shoulder one to Billy Kemp towards the end of the game that was nice. Uh, you know, he hit Tony Pulligan on a couple uh, kind of slant post routes over the middle. So he did some things really well. What I think he certainly needs to do is, you know, we'll see his accuracy improve as he goes more and more into these games. I think we'll get a better feel for the pocket. You know, one thing we haven't talked about yet, which we can, is the offensive line, Mm -hmm. which I thought overall played pretty well. So he'll get that feel in the pocket. And, you know, there were some drops. And I think there's times where he doesn't need to fire it in at, you know, 100% of his arm strength or speed. Um, But he'll get that touch and he'll, he'll, the more he plays, the more he'll figure out, you know, when do I put a little touch here? When do I really need to gun it in? I thought it was a really promising debut. It wasn't perfect. You know, it wasn't Bryce Perkins in the Orange Bowl or against Virginia Tech level. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see anything in that game that made me feel bad about the future that we have with Brennan Armstrong at quarterback. No, of course not. And, you know, as you said, this is his first game, and this is a first game that's unusual. He He has not had the opportunity to have – um, as much practice or time alone with his wide receivers, probably as Bryce Perkins or any other starting quarterback quarterback would have. Uh, this is a quarterback that's starting his first game against a team that has already had two games uh, in a season that has been up and down because of a pandemic. So I am thoroughly impressed with his poise to be able to continue to go, you know, getting ready for Virginia Tech. Uh, last week, not playing that game, figuring out that we're playing Duke this week and still being ready to go uh, is pretty impressive to me. The two picks, you know, um, the one in the third quarter was bad. It was really, it was a really bad throw, bad read. I'm not sure if he thought Jana was going the other way, or I don't know if it was Jana. I think it was Jana who he was trying to get it to, but he just kind of threw it straight to the Duke defender. There was no really UVA player there. It seemed like a miscommunication. Um, the f- the one at the end of the first half was disappointing because it felt like we had a chance to get some points and he just kind of chucked it up there. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are mistakes that he can learn from and those are mistakes that hopefully he will uh, rec- he will um, fix, fix in uh, upcoming weeks. Yeah, and I think he will. And, you know, I think... I think one thing, you know, I think he had 45 pass attempts. You want to bring that number down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can bring it down by more carries for the running backs or really more carries for him as well. I Like I said, I really was impressed with him as a runner. Um, you know, he had 10 rushes for 47 yards. But I think, you know, you don't want to pound him 20 times a game. But I think there's room in there to get 10 to 15 carries a game for him. Yeah. Um, looking Looking at the rest of the offense, Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. You know, all our eyes were obviously on Brendan Armstrong. 
you know, with good reason. Mm -hmm. But was there anything else that stood out to you from the offense, you know, from a play calling, from a personnel, anything like that perspective? Three words for you. Lavelle Davis Jr. blew my mind away. Four catches, 101 (laughs) yards, two touchdowns, 39-yard, that 39-yard touchdown catch was phenomenal and a, a very impressive effort on his part, breaking three tackles to get to the end zone. I mean, so we had heard, I mean, you were talking about this kid, uh, coming out of camp and you know for I think that freshmen playing in Broncos teams they don't always get a lot of playing time you know it's kind of like Tony you got to prove yourself you got to prove that you're able to do it um Davis can do it he was our leading receiver by uh 30 yards Billy Kemp the fourth was second with 70 yards um, but Lavelle Davis Jr. showed that he's got the ability to go up over smaller cornerbacks. He can outrun um, people as well, for, which is impressive considering how tall he is at 6'7". And I'm excited to see what he can do going forward, you know, even looking to fir- uh, future years when he's maybe a bit stronger, maybe uh, filled out a bit more. You know, he's still young. So I, I think I was thoroughly impressed with Lavelle Davis. Yeah, the crazy part is, like you said, you know, Bronco will give younger players a chance to earn time, but he doesn't give them time. And looking at the freshmen, the true freshmen that played yesterday, there were three. Uh, quarterback Ira Armstead, who had a five-yard reception, which I don't know, if you had money on that, you know, <laughs> you made a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> so that was interesting. So Ira Armstead plays. Jameer Carter, a true freshman, played in the rotation on the defensive line, and Lavelle Davis. And Lavelle Davis was awesome. And, you know, not only did he have those two touchdown passes and also that long uh, reception there right before his first touchdown catch, you know, they were targeting him quite a bit. On that first drive, Brennan took a deep shot to Lavelle Davis, and he took another deep shot to Lavelle Davis later in the game. You know, it's clear, you know, there's at least some chemistry or connection there and Brennan, Brennan is not afraid to throw it downfield. Not saying Bryce Perkins was afraid to throw it downfield, but he's certainly more willing to do so than Bryce was. And it seems like with Bell Davis is going to be a very real part of this offense. I mean, at six foot seven, I like what Broncos said. You know, you can't hide a guy that's six foot seven. He's out there. You know, there's that picture that's circulating on Twitter right now. Mm-hmm. of Just what the football looks in Bell Davis's hands it on looks, one of that touchdown. It passes. looks like a Nerf ball. Like, yeah, his amazing. hands are massive. So, I mean, looking at the receiving core, it's going to be different. And like last year, it's going to take some time to evolve. You know, it's easy to remember last year where Terrell Chapman for a while was getting rotated in pretty frequently. So, and then, of course, by the end of the year, he never saw the field. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this receiving core unfolds. Jana, you know, didn't have the big numbers today, but it seems pretty clear Jana will be part of that group. Billy Kemp is going to be a big part of that group, but Rashawn Henry, you know, didn't really have an impact yesterday. It's that spot seems to be one that's up for grabs. And if Lavelle Davis can take it, um, you know, that could be a great thing, not just for now, but like you said, for the future of the program with him only being a true freshman. Yeah. And I like what you said about the rest of the receiving core. You know, you mentioned Billy Kemp who had seven receptions, led the team in receptions yesterday. Uh, You mentioned that you predicted Billy Kemp would lead the team in receptions this year do you think that's going to continue or do you think Jana or maybe Poljan can catch him on that because right now it seems like you know 
uh, targeting Billy Kemp on a lot of those like quick slants or uh, little little out routes um, is something that Brennan Armstrong is going to do frequently. Yeah, no, I mean, I stand by that. I think Billy Kemp leads this team in receptions. You saw it yesterday. You know, it's it's the same H-back role we saw with Alameda Zacchaeus for two years. Same one we saw with uh, Joe Reed in many respects last year. He's not going to be really the big play guy, but he's going to be the volume guy. Over the middle, uh, you know, he lined up in the backfield a couple times yesterday. And, you know, the buzz coming out of camp is that he was a multiple reception per drive type of receiver, that there would be drives, touchdown drives, where he'd have three or four catches. And it absolutely seems like that's going to be part of the plan. You know, Jana had a great chemistry with Bryce Perkins. And it's easy to remember, too, Terrell Jana did not have the best first half of last year. You know, Mm -hmm. so much of his production came in the back half of last season. You know, so while Hasiz had great numbers, uh, over a thousand yards receiving last year, you know, over the final couple of games, Terrell Jana probably averaged more yards a catch than he did. So, you know, I think you're going to have to reestablish that connection a little bit uh, with Jana and uh, Brennan Armstrong. But, you know, I, I do really think Billy Kemp's going to be a volume guy here. And I will say I was encouraged by uh, Tony Polgin, though. I liked having that tight end in the middle because mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've had that. Yeah, I like having that big tight end. He he kind of remind he looks like a Heath Miller type, you know, just really big, stocky, well built, um, good hands. It seems like I don't. I think Brennan um, had underthrew or um, threw behind him a couple times, so he he was unable to catch some of those balls. But he he looked as their chemistry grows. I'm excited to see. Um, a big target, especially like right on the goal line in the red zone, uh, what he can do with the ball. I have a question for you. How do you feel about um, Tavares Kelly being kind of invisible yesterday, actually producing negative yards, one reception, negative seven yards, also muffed the opening kickoff, didn't receive the opening kickoffs after that. Uh, how do you feel about Tavares Kelly? Is he Is he in the doghouse now, or is this something that he can bounce back from? Man, I mean, on kickoffs, it definitely seems like he's in the doghouse. Uh, Bronco pulled him after that fumble on the opening drive, and I don't think there was another kickoff return the rest of the game. The rest of them were touchbacks, but it was Shane Simpson catching a ball. I'd really like for Tavares Kelly to be our primary kick returner because in the backfield, I really like Shane Simpson. And, you know, only having two running backs, I'd love to be able to use Shane Simpson more heavily in the backfield and not have to worry about the injury risk at kickoff. That said, I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out versus Clemson. But, um, you know, wouldn't read too much into the one reception for negative yards. That was when Lindell Stone was at quarterback. And it was just a little pop pass um, that went for negative yards. But I, what I would read into is the fact that he didn't have any other receptions. And with a receiving core kind of as inexperienced as we have right now, you know, he's a guy that you certainly would want to be a bit more involved in the offense. And we were wondering, you know, can he develop into a deep threat? You know, looks like Lavelle Davis might be that guy. So then the question is, you know, can he really compete for those underneath routes, those screens um, and quick passes? And it really seems like Billy Kemp is that guy. So doghouse or not, it definitely seems like Tavares Kelly has some work to do if he wants to be more involved on the field. Yeah, because at this point, it seems like he's kind of a gadget player, um, but Maybe there's some room for him to to get some catches in the future. I'm not sure. You know, I I didn't 
pay a lot of attention to who was getting all the catches, but just looking at it, Tavares Kelly seemed uh, noticeably absent yesterday, especially regarding that we lost our um, top two receivers last year too, and of course our tight end uh, butts. Um, so talking about wide receivers who are kind of gadget people, Ira Armstead and Keaton Thompson played a lot of receiver yesterday. And um, that was kind of weird. Keaton Thompson didn't have a catch, but he did have a lot of blocking plays. He was a blocking downfield a lot. Our Armstead did have a catch, one catch, five yards. How does how are those two going to play at wide receiver this year? Like, how much are they going to play there? Because it seemed like Keaton Thompson was frequently on the field. Yeah, I mean. I certainly didn't expect Ira Armstead to catch a pass or really even to play in the game at all. So, you know, good sign, bad sign. I don't know. Read into it what you will. Um, but yeah, that was certainly unique. Uh, with Keaton Thompson, you know, Robert and I had hinted that he was too good of an athlete to keep off the field holding a clipboard. So, you know, we knew he was probably going to be used some way, somehow. But yeah, like you said, he was used like pretty frequently certainly more frequently than I think anyone was expecting. Um, like you said, he was mostly in there for blocking. You know, he was in there a couple short yardage runs. Uh, you know, I think he was also out there blocking on one screen pass to a receiver. So it was, it was interesting. And then of course he did have the gadget play, which <laughs> was not the prettiest thing in the world uh, where he threw the ball deep to Brennan Armstrong and, Thankfully, no interception, just an incompletion, no one hurt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting and, you know, something that I would expect to continue. Of course, the scary part is, is if something does happen to Brennan Armstrong, you know, do you really want your receiver that's been out there for 15 snaps already coming back to be your quarterback? Uh, you know, tough to say. But, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting and certainly utilized more heavily than we expected. Yeah, and I think the last thing to talk about with the offense would be the rushing attack. Uh, Wayne Talapapa with 16 carries, 95 yards, two touchdowns, a long of 19 yards, and an average of 5.9 yards per carry. Um, Brennan, of course, we've already talked about 10 carries, 47 yards, one touchdown. And, you know, Shane Simpson, the transfer, eight carries for 36 yards, and a 4.5 average. I mean, the it felt like the rushing attack was really good and much better than I thought it would be this season. Yeah, it took some time to develop, but I like where this run game can head. You know, Wayne Talapapa is fulfilling kind of the same role he had last year. Uh, you know, in between the tackles guy, tough running, uh, career high 95 yards for him, which is a great sign. Beats his previous career high, which was 77 against Duke last year. So certainly an encouraging sign there. Like you said, I really like Shane Simpson and I like Shane Simpson also as receiver out of the backfield as well. Um, I think they can do a lot of things with him and, you know, Bronco probably won't go a full, even 50, 50 carry split, but if we could get somewhere in the 60, 40, 65, 35 range, I'd be really happy with that. Cause I think that will lighten the load on Wayne as well. And hopefully allow him to be a bit more consistent and, uh, powerful and explosive down the stretch. And finally, you know, the last thing with the running game is also the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And same thing as last year, you know, last year they released the depth chart the week before the pit game. And 
the group that started that pick game, same group of five players, but they were in different positions. Well, the exact same thing happened this year. You know, they released the depth chart the week before the game. And then game day, you know, they trot out the offensive line. And it's the same five group of guys that were the starters, but they moved them around. You know, they moved uh, Ryan Swoboda back to right tackle, which is where he was working most of the camp. And they pulled uh, Regensmeyer into guard and bumped Nelson out from guard to tackle. So, you know, personally, I'm no offensive line expert, but that was kind of the starting line that I'd wanted all along going mm-hmm. into camp. So I was happy to see that development. You know, Duke has some really, really good edge rushers. And for the most part, they kept Brennan upright. And, you know, like you said, it was a strong performance on the ground, um, 188 yards. So overall, I was impressed with the run game. Um, you know, I don't think it's top tier in the ACC yet, but it certainly looks to be, uh, you know, improved from last year and hopefully a bit more versatile um, than last year as well. I think it's for sure a step in the right direction. You know, last year, I think we complained a lot that we didn't feel like Wayne had a lot of wiggle to him. He was kind of a three yard fall forward kind of guy. Um, but this time averaging almost six yards, he he made some guys miss, which was something that he didn't do a lot last year. A lot of times I feel like he would just kind of run through the tackle and fall forward. But this time making some guys miss an open space, he seemed to have a little bit more wiggle this year which was really nice. And of course, the lightning to his thunder, Shane Simpson, um, just a speedy guy, small guy, able to squeak into some small holes. Uh, Really impressive. And I'm looking forward to seeing an expanded role for him. Kind of as you were saying, you know, a 60-40 split would be super nice. Yeah, and um, I'm excited to see where it goes. And of course, as a runner, Brennan Armstrong, we already talked about this, but um, seems strong, wants to hit some people, um, not that that's always a great thing, but he slid it. He did slide a couple times, ran out, ran out of bounds a couple of times. I was super happy to see him, uh, mostly protecting his body. I mean, I know as we were watching this game yesterday, we were both kind of happy with what we saw from Brennan Armstrong as a runner. Um, he has that burst and, you know, top end speed isn't going to be Bryce Perkins, but heck, you know, maybe two players on the team last year had the top end speed that Bryce Perkins had. You know, he was an unreal athlete for any position, not to mention quarterback. Um, so Brennan, I was impressed with Brennan. And, you know, they they used him in a variety of ways in the run game, too. You know, there were some just kind of straight draws up the middle. There were some more delayed draws. Uh, there were some even kind of sprint draws to the outside, one of which went for 14 or 15 yards. So they're going to use him in the run game quite a bit. I think the difference that we're going to see is that what – what the offense was really designed for with Bryce Perkins is really to get receivers to the outside of the field. So that way, if the read wasn't open for Bryce Perkins, Bryce Perkins had room in the middle of the field to take off. And, you know, he would go through his progression sometimes, but lots of times the best play if the top receiver wasn't open was for Bryce Perkins to run. This offense is a bit different with Brennan. You know, they're going to use the middle of the field. And you look at his scrambles yesterday, you know, not many of them came um, on passing plays where he scrambled and ended up running. You know, he's willing to stay in the pocket and willing to go through his progressions. And as a result, we're going to see more plays over the middle of the field as well. So it's a different offense for sure. Uh, and it's still one that's evolving. Um, I'm sure Robert and I and Jason Beck are working hard on, you know, optimizing this to his strengths. So I, but, you know, all of that to say, I was really impressed with Brennan as a runner. 
um, exceeded my expectations. And, you know, there's no reason to think Brennan Armstrong can't finish the year with four or 500 yards on the ground. It's certainly going to be a big part of the offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we've talked about the good things. Let's talk about some of the things that we think need to be improved a little bit. But before we do that, we want to talk about our sponsors, Bet Online. Football is finally back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on win division and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today to take advan- full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we are also sponsored by Manscaped. Rob, when was the last time that you shaved your balls? Because the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light, so you can manscape in the shower or in the dark or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their Shears 2.0 nail kit is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products, and our listeners will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the balls. Man, when we started this podcast, did you think we would be, you know, advertising luxury life-changing products like this? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's amazing. No, no, I, I, I didn't I didn't think this at all. Um I didn't <laughs> when we started this, I actually it, it was crazy almost three over three years ago. And um no, over two years ago. Sorry, we we just started season three. But it's been it's been a great time and you know we've been really happy to work with armchair to help us get some of these great products out there to the people who need them um you know a funny thing i saw an ad on facebook with rob gronkowski and and it was really funny he i i can't even describe it but he was it was for the lawnmower 3.0 so we're doing the same kind of ads that rob gronkowski is getting paid to do so I felt good about that. Well, I know, um, you know, our the voice of the guys in ties, Colin Cowherd, mm-hmm. you know, he, I know yeah. he has made his way out there too. Yeah. So it's terrific. It's terrific. I just want to say he, he's been going off the rails recently with some of his ridiculous takes. Like the, the whole Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback because he wears his hat backwards take. I don't know if you saw that. But he just he just made a fool of himself, and uh, it was kind of sad, you know, how far he's fallen. He used to have only hot takes that UVA was bad at football, um, and now now he's just uh, f- being foolish and talking about hats and how that makes him a bad leader. <laughs> but um, anyway, well, it, it doesn't help him at all that uh, Joey Bolinero, the guy at Barstool, just does about the perfect impression of Colin Cowherd. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
not helped at all there. But uh, yeah, anyway, you know, I don't think Uncle Colin would have a lot of bad things to say about UVA yesterday, honestly. No. You know, I I think that idea that he that we make you guys listen to, I still love the intro. Um, I listen to it every time. I think that idea that uh, this UVA defense is soft, you know, I wouldn't say that at all. Well, for. So, for those who don't know, I, the intro that you hear, you know, UVA football is a, you know, soft and um, pansy, you know, and whatever else he says. There's a lot of things that he says. They wear ties to games. That's a, that's absurd. <laughs> um, they wear suits to games. That's absurd. That's Colin Cowherd. And that was a long time ago. I want to say that was early 2000s that he said those things um, in a bit. He was talking about, um, I think, best football teams in each state. And some caller, of course, that was at the height of like Virginia Tech and like the Virginia Tech fan base and when they rose to power, kind of. And of course, someone called in and said, Well, about UVA? And he just lit into them about how (laughs) soft the fan base is. And of course, now our podcast is called Guys and Ties because of the just the the fact that, you know, people wear ties to games sometimes. Uh, We were drinking, um, I, I know it was a while ago but we were watching football a couple weeks ago and uh drinking some wine during it not beer we were drinking wine a nice uh a nice red blend which was great (laughs) (laughs) we're just sipping on it so it was it was a very uva thing to do it was very classy but we owe it all to colin cowherd so that's why that's why he's the voice of the guys in time (laughs) uncle colin (laughs) well anyway (laughs) anyway things maybe some things we didn't like about yesterday um you know yesterday being the duke game uh you know for me i don't want to say really the offense because i expect the offense to be kind of in transition for the next couple of weeks so you know i'm really going to focus on the defensive side of the ball which is obviously the strength of the team you know there were a couple big plays you know there were some plays down the sideline where a receiver just kind of put a move on uh, either Nick Grant or Devontae Cross and got open. But I would say, you know, no one's going to mistake those two corners for Bryce Hall. But Nick Grant, again, played pretty well yesterday. He had an interception. And Devontae Cross, you know, moved to corner more out of necessity, definitely a more natural safety. But I thought he overall played pretty well, too. Where the big plays came was more over the middle of the field. And, you know, zone coverages, linebackers just not dropping deep enough. And, you know, admittedly, Chase Bryce threw a couple, you know, he didn't throw many great balls yesterday, but he did throw some nice balls over the middle um, to those tight ends and a couple times to the receivers over the middle. So I'm sure that's something that'll get cleaned up. But, you know, it, football is kind of transition in my mind from, you know, several decades ago as a game of ground and pound where your opponent out to now kind of, you know, in the 2020 season, it's explosive plays. How do you score points? Uh, score points quickly too so you certainly want to see the defense cut down on some of those types of plays but those you know that's just zone coverage and I think the defense will clean that up um what about you did anything stand out as things to improve upon well just maybe something I didn't like um was at the very end of the game fourth quarter game seemed out of hand uh Duke was driving but you know we were up by 18 and uh Joey Blunt gets hurt uh comes up holding his knee uh, is able to walk off without help, doesn't put any pressure on it. Seemed kind of like a scary thing. Um, comes out today that 
it was diagnosed as a bone bruise. Uh, so he is looking forward to playing against Clemson, which is really good. Uh, it was because it was really scary there for a second. Uh, Joey Blunt is uh, was an All ACC safety last year. Definitely looks to be doing the same thing this year. He played really well yesterday, so uh, it was good to see that he was not hurt. But yeah, just you know, injuries again. It was it. T- injuries are tough, and I think we're going to see injuries this season that we might not have in years past just because of no no warm-up games, um, a kind of a weird schedule. You're, you're seeing it in the NFL, you know, last week and week two, there were seven torn ACLs for some very high-level players. Um, you know, you're thinking Saquon Barkley, you're thinking one of the Bosa brothers on San Francisco. So it was just, it's just tough to see the injuries, and hopefully... Um, you know, our players are kept healthy and they're kept safe. I really liked yesterday how the um, team doctor or the team health provider was the one who was able to break the rock. Um, and when she did it and the team went really, was really happy for her. So that was fun to see for me. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Joey Bosa. Also Nick Jackson went out early in the game. Mm-hmm. And thankfully he was able to come back and, you know, he had a terrific game. Um, He's only a true sophomore, by the way. He's going to be a really, really good player for UVA. But yeah, I mean, you know, you want to avoid those injuries um, for sure. I'm glad to hear that Joey Blunt, um, you know, looks like he's good to go for Clemson because that was kind of a scary moment. You know, he came up immediately grabbing the knee, didn't put any weight on it as they helped him off the field. So, and he played amazing yesterday. Um, Joey Blunt was one of the best players on the field. So, Really, really glad to see him. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, injuries are just unfortunately part of football. But, you know, it seems like UVA was able to get out of there relatively unscathed as far as uh, kind of any potential long-term injuries mm-hmm. yeah. are concerned. What, one thing that does concern me, and this is actually about the offense, was the slow starts at the beginning of each half. You know, zero points in the first quarter, zero points in the third quarter, and we let Duke go ahead in both instances, Duke leads the first quarter 10 to zero and uh, Duke was leading after the third quarter, 20 to 17. Uh, why? I mean, I, it's understandable, you know, first game of the season uh, coming out slow. That's pretty normal, but I feel like Bronco and co have been pretty solid about getting players ready after halftime, making adjustments after halftime. That didn't seem to happen. All offense, especially it was really sleepy coming out in the third quarter what what do you what do you think that was or what do you make of that it's it's tough to read into and you know this game was so weird in the way the scoring was broke down you know 10 nothing duke in the first then 17 nothing in the second for uva um in the second quarter and then third quarter like you said duke outscored uva 10 nothing you know, I'm I'm not as concerned about the first quarter. I expected there to be rust, you know, which you clearly saw first play of the mm-hmm. game, first kickoff return of the game with Tavares Kelly fumbling it. Um, not concerned about the first quarter. That'll get cleaned up. Third quarter was a little bit weird. And again, you know, I don't want to read too much into it because at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to chalk up everything that Brennan Armstrong kind of struggled with, the, it being his first start, but it was his first start. So you know, this is his first time coming out of halftime as the starting quarterback, his first time seeing what deep, what adjustments the defense made out of halftime. Um, 
And, you know, it's a new receiving core. He's not leaning on Joe Reed, Alameda Zacchaeus, Assis Dubois, guys like that. You know, he's leaning on a Rashawn Henry, a Lavelle Davis, um, guys like that. You know, even new transfer Tony Poljan. So I don't really have an answer for that. I don't know if you really have an answer for that, but I agree. You know, that's an area that I think we should get cleaned up and certainly, you know, just consistency across the game. And that's one thing that Bronco Mendenhall said is, you know, you got to get more consistent, but that will come with time. So hopefully time comes quick in that respect, um, because I do agree, you know, you don't want to find yourself in a hole uh, early, you know, first half, second half, whatever it may be against teams on our schedule, because this is a much improved ACC this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just looking, you know, I think that in the third quarter, it was, I think it was more about energy and kind of focus than it was about talent or skill or anything like that. You know, looking at our three drives that we had in the third quarter, it was punt, interception, punt. Um, Low energy on those drives, six plays for 22 yards, three plays for six yards on the interception and then seven plays for 27 yards. Just not a lot of yards, not a lot going. Um, it also felt like the off- like offensive play calling seemed a little off too. So I feel like this this group of people just needs more time to get to know each other, get to know each other in playing situations. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there. I think the crowd or lack of a crowd had something to do with it. You know, there was 1,000 people at yesterday's game, uh, 200 Duke fans, 800 UVA fans. And it just like, you know, seems empty. Our players, especially, you know, like thinking back to last year and um, thinking about to like some of those home games, you know, the Tech game and the Florida State game where the crowd was really good and really, really into it, really helped our team win in certain situations. And we don't have that anymore. And so the team needs to bring that energy um, coming out of the tunnel, coming out at, at the halftime and kind of get up. You know, you see kind of players joking all all across the country, you know, trying to hype up crowds that aren't there on like extra point attempts <laughs> and field goals and stuff like that. And uh, guys on the sidelines, you know, having fun with, you know, trying to hype up fake crowds. And I think it's just a thing that teams are going to have to get used to. And as their first game, not playing in front of a crowd, my guess is that that was had something to do with it. Just the lack of energy. Um, they have to bring their own energy. And I know that Bronco really preaches that. He does a great job of getting our guys involved in the game, um, having them uh, be aggressive even when they're not playing, kind of energetic, getting the sideline, keeping it, keeping it loose. But I think that had something to do with it. And hopefully as they get more used to it, get more used to not playing in front of anyone, that will the energy will come and the energy will, will stay solid throughout halftime and into the third quarter. Yeah, that, that definitely uh, could have played a role. And, you know, I was actually kind of surprised. You know, I definitely could have missed it, but it didn't really seem like they were pumping in crowd noise. You know, they had the mm-hmm. video monitor going and you could hear like names getting called out, but. I don't think they were really piping in crowd noise. So I'd be curious to see, you know, if that's something they would consider moving forward because you're right. It was just kind of interesting. And <laughs> I actually thought it was kind of funny um, leading up to the game. Someone had asked one of the players, I think they asked Nandy Alonzo, you know, how are you guys expecting to play uh, in an empty stadium? And his response was, well, you know, we kind of do that every year in the spring game. <laughs> so we're kind of <laughs> used to it. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, I mean, it certainly plays a role and it's going to be different kind of throughout the season based on where they're playing. And honestly, you know, it could be different later in the season, um, you know, as restrictions potentially and maybe hopefully get lifted. Um, so, you know, there it's not out of the realm of possibility that Virginia could have, you know, at least some number of fans in their games at some point throughout the season. But yeah, I definitely think that plays a role and I'm, I'm sure it affected Duke as well in some sense, but it, it's something to monitor kind of throughout the season, especially early on. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, as the season goes on, it'll get, it'll get better and we'll get more used to it. But just for now, it's kind of weird. And, you know, we, we may never have more than a thousand fans in Scott stadium um, this season, but you know, we'll see and we'll see what COVID does. Rob, was there anything else that caught your eye as something to improve on something that you didn't really like or care for <laughs> during this game? What was something that you think this team needs to work on uh, before Clemson next week? Man, we were talking about Clemson and, you know, how do we even preview this game? <laughs> um, <laughs> Clemson's really good. So they beat Wake Forest in their opener 37 to 13. They beat Citadel in their second game of the season. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, was eight of nine in that game for 168 yards. They pulled him before halftime. Um, Clemson's a really good team. Now, I don't think they're as good as they were last year. They don't quite have the weapons on the outside that they did last year, although they still have Trevor Lawrence, which, in my opinion, is the best college passer that I've ever seen. Um, Travis Etienne, all, you know, ACC player of the year each of the past two years. Um and then, obviously, just the athletes they have on defense is next level. So mm -hmm. how do you combat Clemson? Uh, really starts with being mistake-free. You know, I don't think they're going to win this game with two interceptions from Brennan Armstrong. We saw last year, you know, Virginia had some momentum early in that first quarter mm -hmm. in the ACC championship game. And, you know, the tide turned pretty quickly. Um, but it initially turned on that interception Bryce had on that opening drive. So no turnovers, can't beat yourself. And really, you got to find explosive plays and you have to limit their explosive plays. Mm -hmm. um, you know, make Trevor Lawrence feel uncomfortable. That's hard to do, but you have to try. And, you know, if Travis Etienne is running for 100 plus yards, it's going to be pretty tough to win that game, too. So Clemson can just beat you so many different ways. But, you know, take care of what you can control, which is turnovers and hopefully, you know, coming out ahead on the explosive play side. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying, you know, limiting turnovers, limiting mistakes like penalties. Um, ESPN's giving UVA 2.8% to win this game, uh, which is not really surprising. You know, is there a lot of faith from people that UVA can win this game? No. Is there some faith that we can do something in this game? Uh, I say yes. You know, thinking back to last year, uh, we lost 62-17 to in the ACC championship game, uh, kind of an ugly game that got out of control, especially in the second quarter and into the second half. And uh, we had the probably one of the best players in UVA football history in Bryce Perkins leading the way. Now, Bryce Perkins is gone. We have a whole new quarterback. We've got a lot of new receivers. Um, but the thing that we have intact is our de a lot of our defense. A lot of our front seven are coming back. And uh, we have some a really good secondary who a lot of them played in that game last year, too. So they know what to expect. They know how good Clemson is. And if anyone's going to be able to get to the quarterback, it's going to be our linebackers, Noah Taylor and Charles Snowden. Um, 
you know, Snowden had no sacks yesterday, but he deflected two passes, which is great. Um, Noah Taylor had 1.5 sacks. Richard Burney had one. Jawan Briggs had one. And Jameer Carter, the freshman, had one too. So, you know, we've got a good front seven. They they played Duke really well, bottled them up pretty good on rushing. You know, they only had 56 yards rushing the whole game. And I thought that was pretty impressive uh, for their first game as well. So Noah Taylor looked really good, was able to get home a lot of times. Snowden, uh, Charles Snowden was just, you know, a beast on pass deflections. Uh, had one that he might have been able to intercept, but just knocked it down for the sake of it. So that's my hope, is if, if anyone is going to be able to get to the quarterback, it's going to be our front seven and our blitz packages that are pretty complicated and uh, we're able to get home a lot. Yeah, I mean, make Trevor Lawrence feel uncomfortable. You know, show those looks, um, move the linebackers around. You've got a really good and diverse set of linebackers as far as talent, skill goes. And, you know, if you remember last year, too, you know, having T. Higgins and Justin Ross on the outside, I mean, they really picked on our DBs. I remember Nick Grant saying, you know, he felt like they really targeted him and picked on him. And that's something that he really wanted to improve with the Florida game which he largely did. Um, that was also one of Devontae Cross's um, first games at corner, you know, against Liberty and against Virginia Tech, the two games before they'd moved Devontae Cross back to safety and they'd put Heskin Smith in at cornerback. Well, against Clemson, uh, Devontae Cross played corner and, you know, just the athletes that Clemson had on the outside, you know, they really took advantage of those matchups. So, I think I think Virginia will do better in this game. And even the coaches said, you know, we felt like we didn't call the best game. We felt like we made unforced errors that, you know, our game plan could have been better. So I do expect a closer game. You know, the line right now, I think, is at 28 and a half. You know, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not coming out here and saying Virginia's going to win the game necessarily. But, you know, I think they have a shot to cover the spread here. You know, I think, I think, Virginia will fare much better this time around against Clemson um, than they did last year. You know, I'm going to be honest. Uh, UVA is going to be the best, I think by far the best team that they've played this year. Wake, I, you know, didn't look impressive. And the Citadel uh, just was an awful game for, for Clemson. And so I think UVA is going to give them at least the best test this season. And, you know, prime time on ACC Network, 8 p.m. Uh, so that'll be fun. But, you know, I'm I'm just looking for this team to go out, do their best. I want to see the the coaching staff not make any, um, you know, weird calls or anything. Like if there's some gadget plays with Ira Armstead or Keaton Thompson, like that's fine. But I feel like I'm the thing I'm afraid of is just going out and like making fools of ourselves, which uh, Bronco usually doesn't do. And uh, I think that after last season, uh, getting blown out in the championship game. I think that they're going to be hungry to kind of prove that they do belong in the top tier of the ACC along with Clemson. And um, it looks like, you know, we're going to be fighting. You know, Tech had a really good game uh, last night against NC State. And NC State, I think, is terrible this season. But, you know, they still, Tech looked good. Um, UNC looks good so far. So do does UVA belong with them? I think Clemson's going to be a good test as to whether or not we have a shot at, um, at, 
winning the co uh, not well not winning the coastal. There are no divisions this season, but <laughs> not this year. No, you know, but like being in one of those top two teams, does UVA even have a a, a chance, a hint of being in there? Um, so this will be a good test if we do or not, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, it's a good it's a good matchup, not a good matchup, but it's a good test of strength. Yeah, I mean, you look at Clemson, obviously a terrific team. Virginia presumably has two easier games um, afterwards in NC State and Wake Forest. But then you reach the stretch that looks like it's going to define UVA season mm-hmm. uh, at Miami, home against UNC, and then home against Louisville. Kind of, you know, that's kind of where I pick, put Virginia at right now. You know, you have Clemson as a clear number one, probably Notre Dame as a clear number two. But where does kind of that three through eight or nine shake out? And, you know, I think you're exactly right. We'll, we'll get kind of a hint at that uh, starting next Saturday to see how well Virginia is able to compete with, you know, <laughs> the number one team in the country in Clemson. Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to be honest. Um, Miami is looking really good uh, this year. Derek King has been super impressive. And, of course, we're at Miami for that game. Um, you know, they played Florida State last night blew them out of the water 52 to 10 and once again i think that goes back to florida state i think they're bad this year i think they're just bad they're not good um louisville though they beat 47 to 34 they put up 47 points on louisville and uh miami actually plays clemson the week after us on uh 10 10 so that should be a fun game as well i'm just you know it'll be interesting to see who comes out of this alive? Um, a lot of people pegged Clemson <laughs> and Notre Dame to play each other for the championship game. But, you know, Miami's making a strong push. I think Louisville has a chance to. UNC uh, looks great as well. I think it's going to be a really, um, really fun season in the ACC. I agree 100%. And, you know, now now that we're kind of getting into the need of the schedule, we're able to kind of make a bit more definitive conclusions. and. Mm-hmm. We were supposed, yeah, we're still figuring out team by team, but I think it's safe to say the conference is better this year than it was last year. Oh, for sure. I think it is. And, um, you know, especially especially with Miami. Is Miami back? You know, is the U back? <laughs> I don't know. UNC looks great. Uh, the MAC attack is doing good. And uh, Florida State sucks, but that's okay. I don't really care about them. And, uh, you know, Tech looks pretty good this year, even though I hate to admit it. So it'll be a fun time, and we're excited to keep on going. Rob, is there anything that any last words you want to say? Anything, any shout outs you want to give? Any yells? Yeah, I mean, let, let's go ahead and bring the yells back, man. Now that yeah. we got real sports, kind of a real a real episode back, you know. <laughs> We've had real content now for like a month or two, which alone was terrific. But mm-hmm. now that we actually have games, like it feels feels more normal. Yeah. Um. God, yells, yells is hard. You know, I really, I'll say Nick Jackson, though. I was really, really impressed with Nick Jackson yesterday. You know, he came off um, really a terrific blitz he had um, towards the end of the game where he got a sack. You know, he was strong against the run. He laid a heavy hit on a rushing play. I think it was a third down play Mm -hmm. earlier in the game. Um, I'm really excited about him. I think he's going to be, you know, there's the, uh, comparison the staff likes to make is Micah Kaiser and I don't think it's totally out of the question Mm -hmm. you know and if you remember Micah Kaiser redshirted so he started as a sophomore but he was a redshirt sophomore this is kind of the true sophomore season for Nick Jackson so 
I'm really high on him, and I think he's going to be a terrific player for UVA, and he really showed it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a yell out to a couple of um, former UVA wide receivers. One of them, Dontrell Inman, had two touchdowns today for the Washington football team, uh, even though they, they lost. Sorry, Rob. Um, but Dontrell Inman <laughs> looked good, although he hurt his wrist kind of at the end of the game. I hope he's doing okay. And then... The other one is Alameda Zacchaeus uh, for the Falcons. He seems to be part of their re- wide receiver rotation, which is really good, especially I think Julio Jones was out today. Um, but Matt Ryan missed him on a bomb. He overthrew him somehow, and uh, it would have been an 80-yard touchdown if he had hit him. So that was unfortunate. And the Falcons, of course, I think they lost uh, because the Falcons suck, and uh, that's just fun to watch as a Saints fan. So those are my <laughs> yells. Um, but... Once again, this has been a really fun time. It's good to be back. It's good to have games again. And uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to try and have one, I think, every week now as like a as a post-game kind of thing. And uh, But make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for all the bonus content. Rob had some great bonus content before the game on Friday. Um, a nice preview because we, we weren't able to get a preview out, but a really good bonus content. More of that's coming back. Uh, make sure to follow us on Spotify and iTunes if you want to keep listening. And go ahead and check out Armchair Media. They have a lot of podcasts about a lot of different sports, about fighting, football, baseball, hockey, all of it. So go ahead and check them out. And we will see you guys next week. Go Hoos, beat Clemson. Beat Clemson.